I recently introduced a new service where you can do mock interviews, record them, and practice, and then have me review your answers. It's a service where questions are going to get thrown at you along different topics. You'll record your answers, and I'm going to give you advice about how you could do it better, or give you an girl or an boy afterwards. So if you go to TheBigGameHunter.us forward slash mock, that's going to take you to the site, and I do hope you find it helpful. It has helped a bunch of people. Now, let's get going. This is No BS Job Search Advice Radio, episode 2195. I'm your host, Jeff Alvin, the Big Game Hunter. And welcome to Wednesday. And I've got a great interview with Kelly Hoey about networking. It is, you know, I know you hate networking. However, it's the way people find work. It's not so easy to just apply for jobs as you think it is. Networking is what works. And a statistic I saw recently is that you are 12 times more likely to find a position because you were referred to it rather than applied to it. So pay attention to this interview. It's a good one. Hope you enjoy it. I hope you give an honest review wherever you listen to it. And we'll be back in just one moment. Whenever I talk about flex jobs, I want to do the old music from Batman. Flex jobs. Okay, I'll spare you the singing and just say flex jobs is a site with flexible employment opportunities throughout the United States. You know, it's a paid service, but it's a very good service for lots of different types of work. So use the link in the show notes. Check out FlexJobs. Make your own decision about its value to you. I think you will find it very helpful if you're looking for flexible employment. And we'll be back in just one moment. So my guest today is Kelly Hoey, the author of Build Your Dream Network, Forging Powerful Relationships in a Hyperconnected World. And by the way, if you didn't notice... I've got little markers in there of things that we'll cover or I found interesting. Kelly believes that networking needs a rebrand. In her book and presentations, as well as her podcast, newsletter, blog, you get the idea that she creates a lot of content. I look at networking through new, modern, fresh lenses, offering young professionals, creatives, managers, and entrepreneurs advice on how to connect for success in the social media age, because this isn't just simply about job search. It's about your career overall. Kelly, great to have you on. Thank you for making time. It is so great to be here, Jeff. And thank you for reading my book. And thank you for doing what I say right in the introduction, like how you should use this book, you know, crack the spine, turn over some pages, highlight, put some tabs in there. So I love it. I love seeing that. Thank you. You're welcome. So you're not someone who just went on Google and, and did a bunch of research that way. You're someone who's actually lived and breathed the lessons that you take out of just to hold it up one more time. Um, how, have, how have you accumulated all this stuff, this knowledge, you know, what sort of lessons have you taken from 
all these transitions, the different careers. Are you a job hopper? Is that what's been going on all these years? I'm laughing because I like to say when you write a book on networking, you've got to eat your own dog food. Like I, it would be really, you know, hollow guidance if I hadn't lived and breathed and, and used this advice myself, which I have. So my first career was an attorney. Uh, I came out of law school back in 1991. On behalf and of all the listeners and viewers, boo. Please continue. <laughs> Ow, but we can have that discussion another day on, you know, whether whether a law degree is a good, good career, it's a good degree to have, whether or not it's the career someone wants to have. But I quickly realized when I started in, you know, off as a lawyer, that to be successful, you needed two things. You needed to be really good at your job and you needed relationships but they were in fundamental tension because one of them required you to stay at your desk and the other ones you know if you think about traditional networking to, you know required you to be out here schmoozing and meeting people so i quickly realized i needed to find another way to build relationships and that's really what got me into the thinking of how there is such immense power gap in the everyday actions we take how we greet people, how we send an email, how we leave a voicemail, you know, the profile they find online, uh, you know, all of those things. So that's kind of lesson number one. Um, the next lesson was, you know, the sort of the importance of those, you know, internal networks within companies and how that can help you get your job done and how those relationships, when you, you know, go forward and you want to do something else in your career, how those relationships are really critical, you know, because most people change jobs now. And you know, that person you used to work with make, oh, I know, shocker. Um, the two people, the four of us started at the same law firm back in 1991, two of the four are still there. And it's, I know exactly, it's kind of, it's kind of odd. It's kind of odd. Um, so, you and know- the question and, and, I have is, did they make partner yet? <laughs> and it's, it's a funny question because they're valued for nose to the grindstone for a lot of years, but that's not the partner role. Right, right. This, this is what, exactly. But you need to start building the relationships and exercising that relationship building muscle before you get, you know, tapped on the shoulder and, you know, get handed the, you know, the, the keys to the corporate bathroom or whatever it is that, you know, like you, you need to build those relationships. Also learn during, you know, kind of that early stage besides like you, you need to start doing this early and realizing that as you move up the ladder, the relationships you're building, they're moving up the ladder as well realizing that sometimes your work does speak for itself. I ended up getting a, a job lead and a job opportunity to move firms because opposing counsel saw what I was capable of. So, you know, there's another lesson in terms of your networking. You know, you, know, you might be in a contentious situation with someone else on a business deal or on a transaction or, you know, fill in the blank but they may really admire your skills. And so it behooves you, even though you may need to be tough and you know, looking after your client or you know, staking a claim to your interests, it behooves you to be considerate and not a complete jerk in those situations because it might actually, may admire your negotiation, your tenacity, your hustle. And they say, you know what? I want you to come work for me. So I went and worked for another firm for two years before moving to New York City. Um, you know, another lesson from all of those career changes and horns in the background reminding us, everyone, I am in New York. Um, another lesson from that time when I decided to move out of the active practice of law is you need to build your network before you need it. Like you can't just decide, 
oh, I'm going to make a complete 180 on my career and do something different and realize that you need a word of mouth network to make the career change and you don't have it. So build your network before you need it. Uh, another lesson from my I'm going to pause you there because there's, yeah. there's some yeah. great points that you've already made uh, that I want to emphasize to viewers and listeners. And it starts off with creating a great impression of everything you do. Mm -hmm. Because you never know who's watching and they are watching. Mm -hmm. So it's an adversary, it's someone internally who's sizing you up for promotion or whether or not to pay attention to you. Because, you know, the classic example is the administrative staff notices everything. And so often from a class perspective, whether it's a law firm or a financial firm or whatever the institution is, and I got to say, even in the smallest business, the administrative staff notices everything. And the question is whether they're going to respect you. And these are people who will either make you or break you. Well, someone always says, how do you network with influencers? It's like, be nice to the gatekeepers. <laughs> it's really simple. You know, whether it's in a law firm, whether it's in a big corporation or whether it's, you know, with startups and venture capital, I see so many people making the mistake of ignoring, you know, the, the associate or the analyst, you know, the person on the low rung of, of, of the hierarchy. Um, and it's like, hold on, they're the ones who were reporting back to the, you know, the honchos on the things that look interesting and the founders they find interesting or intriguing or, you know, they like their reputation or they think there's something about them. And, you know, you're doing yourself the biggest disservice if you're not looking after the gatekeepers and treating them with respect. And it's interesting with voicemail these days, it's a little bit more complicated getting through, of course. You know, I remember when I started in recruiting and was working with the New York banks as clients, and you'd always have the admin who was taking all the calls for the five recruiters, you know, in that department doing technology search, because that's what I did for many years. And suddenly, you know, they're getting all these people trying to get past them and not treating them with respect. And they, they smell an annoyance and you know your message wound up going right into the trash. So, you know, with voicemail, it's a little bit more complicated. Do you have a suggestion for the type of message that you might leave for someone? And no is perfectly valid because I don't think there's any one way that gets through. Exactly, I think this is where you probably want to speak with a slower cadence. I think this is where you may want to make sure you repeat who you are. And if there's a phone, even though we can see, you know, phone numbers, repeat a phone number. This is may where, maybe where you want to say, I'm calling in regards to, here's the important point. The rest is in an email that I will be sending to you, or I have just sent to you. I think, you know, kind of keeping it very short and sweet and making sure that you're recording the message somewhere where you've got clear reception and not a lot of background noise because there's nothing worse than getting a voicemail message and it's rushed there's there's wind or there's horns honking or there's the people in the starbucks or whatever it is and you're like really like now if, like what am, who is this what am i looking for like mm -hmm. you know and if you know the know who you're sending to just sort of like Hey, Gloria, or hey, Bob, it's so and so. I'm calling in regards to, 
here's, you know, here's what it is, but I, you know, uh, there's nothing sort of, and I would try and keep it under it. Boy, I'm saying, try to keep it under a minute. I think you keep it to 40 seconds or less, actually, it's preferable because less yeah. is more in these things, especially right. if you're sending the email along with right. it. Well, because I think if, it, if it's going to be super long, then it better be an emergency um, because I think people would rather read it and then they can see what it is and they can have the points highlighted that they should be paying attention to. Um, and I also think, you know, reason to sort of say, hey, it's Kelly calling, I'm calling in regard to, my number to call me back is, here's my message. Thanks a lot. Again, it's Kelly Hoey in regards to, because sometimes our brains don't pick up who it is immediately, like those first kind of five, set, six seconds. So that's why I sort of, you know, repeat some of that information in, in a nice slow cadence. Thank you. Excuse the digression. I just thought it'd be nice to clarify a couple of things along the way. <laughs> I, think it's, I, I think it's a really good idea. And it's so funny. I don't know about you. I used to have on my, my voicemail message on my phone used to be, don't leave me a voicemail message because it is something like when I see who called, I'll like text them back or I'll call them back to say, what's up? Why were you calling me? Versus listening to a 30, 60, 90, you know, two minute you know, voicemail message. So. And it's interesting, we're living in a time where very few of us take phone calls. So the message becomes important. I took a phone call, or I called someone um, day before yesterday, and he said the only reason he took the call was it was a 516 number, and although it wasn't in his phone, he thought it might be someone he knew. You just did a study, and the majority of Americans will not pick up a phone call from someone they don't know. We've all been trained by robocalls. So if it's in our phone, like I'm supposed to get a confirmation for a reservation for a restaurant, uh, and I put the phone number in because they're supposed to call back to confirm the reservation time since they've been closed the last two days. So it's just the idea, if it's in the phone, I take the call. If, I don't, if it's not in the phone, when I check messages, if it's a three-second message, I know I can block it. <laughs> yeah. and, and there's not the same satisfaction with, um, you know, this is like date us both to everybody you know, listening and watching this conversation. Um, you know, back in the day when you had the rotary phone on the wall, when you got one of those annoying spam phone calls, there was a satisfaction of slamming down the, you know, the phone. It's just not the same with a, you know, mobile device. You can get at the same, you know, we need a special button now. Maybe, you know, Apple or, you know, Android could come up with that. A special button that will give the same satisfaction of like the phone crashing down when you get a robocall. Anyhow. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful to learn about the violent nature that you have. <laughs> so we've already covered a couple of important things and I interrupted you to go back to emphasize some previous points. You think you can get back to that space we were a moment ago? Yes, I can. Um, I was back at the point where I was looking to make a career change. And this is back really from leaving law and then moving into um, a management role in a professional services firm. And when I went to make that change, I realized I had a really great network if I wanted to continue to practice law. But it didn't have a network that would allow me to expand into other things because the role I was going in needed to have a very strong word of mouth network in a particular niche of professional development and training. And so I had to build that network. So that was kind of the lesson of, you know, build your network before you need it. And then, you know, a big lesson from there going forward was never to leave my career vulnerable again. 
you always ensure there was a vast diversity of of people in different roles and different sectors and different titles and different points in their career so that if i decided to make another crazy career pivot you know i had a support network to fall upon rather than going through what i had just been through uh literally of 18 months to build a network to the point that it was strong and vibrant enough to feed me and refer me opportunities and thus, folks, for those of you who are career transitioners and you're going back to school for things, as I know I did when I did coach training. I spent 40 years in search, decided to transition, and I thought I should get some, some underpinnings within me. Uh, and I realized pretty quickly they taught me how to coach, but not the business of coaching. And it's a, a different subset. And what Kelly's speaking of here is, you know, you may be going back to school for an MBA, but when you get out of school, what are you going to do with it? And how are you going to land that position? And if you, all that's going to happen is happens with so many people. All that's happens is you spent a lot of money for personal satisfaction, but can't do the work that you wanted to be doing because you didn't invest the time in the networking proactively. You're up the creek without a paddle. You're mm -hmm. going to spend a lot of time working to get there. So mm -hmm. I encourage you, even even if you're going to make a transition within your existing career, do the work proactively. And that's true of those of you who are beginners. And certainly by now, for those of you who are veterans, you know this lesson, you just don't do it. Well, and this is where that, you know, go back to my first career, the, the idea that networking is more than talking to strangers at a cocktail party. Uh, it is the people you already know. It's the people you worked with. It's the people that you see regularly in the community or, you know, your church or other place of worship, whatever it may be. All of those are part of your network and could create and fuel opportunities for you. So how are you treating those people? How are you acknowledging and being of service to them? Because those little actions every single day will add up. And I'm not saying little actions every day with everyone in your network, but, you know, sending a birthday card, you know, having people on, you know, a holiday card list, um, watching what they're posting and what their updates are on social media, remembering advice they gave you and telling them that you remember and you still apply it. Like just continually to fuel those things will maintain connections or in the case of people you haven't seen in a while, you know, acknowledging something in their life will bring back that sort of that rush of warm feelings from when you worked with them before. Right. Or the relationship that you had with them before, whatever form it was. Right. And, and an anecdote from my life, there was a time where uh, I sat uh, with a number of men who were in the restaurant business in New York. Uh, and when my son was considering a career in culinary school, uh, I introduced him to one who had been executive chef at a great restaurant in New York. And he mentored my son for a while until pandemic. Gave him advice, took him to dinner, spent time with him because our son was back in New York and we aren't. So <laughs> these relationships can take a lot of different forms. And Absolutely. They need to be nurtured and watered and cultivated and weeded and tended like a garden. Exactly, exactly. And, and watching what they need and, and thinking about what you need as well. And, you know, I really think that, you know, so this idea of continually doing small acts is so much easier 
than holding on to this outdated notion that you will walk into, you know, a cocktail party, a chamber of commerce lunch, you know, you know, fill in the blank with a bunch of people you don't know. And somehow someone is going to, you know, magically appear. <laughs> right? Or there's someone who's gonna, you know, magically, you know, sprinkle the networking fairy dust on you and all your wishes will come true. I'm like, really? I mean, no. I mean that the but the one time I like to say to people I had pure Networking serendipity was getting on a flight from Mexico City to Dallas. The guy next to me was a complete fearful flyer and a chatter. And I usually sit very quietly on planes. So initially I was like, oh Lord, this is gonna be a long flight. He's not gonna shut up. Ends up, he'd been a, he was a roadie for Anthrax and he'd been on tour in South America for four and a half months. I had the best conversation. <laughs> 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 Folks, you never know where it happens. Exactly, exactly. You know, one of my favorites is a guy that I know who really taught me the power of networking. And this story was a home run for me about a guy who was unemployed. Uh, he's on the phone trying to talk to a recruiter. And this cleaning person walks over to him and says, by some chance, can I get a copy of your resume? And being the self-respecting male he was, he was very dismissive because it's social class. This is the cleaning person. She's going to help me. This goes on a couple of different visits. And eventually his wife comes to him and says, would you give her the resume? She started to bother, bother me. And the woman was someone whose husband was the president of a bank. And she did this as part of her, uh, her belief in humility. And thus, the cleaning person got him his job with her husband's bank. Yeah, and I'm watching the look on your face. Uh, uh, it's either you're trying to stifle a sneeze <laughs> or it's a story that resonates for you in some way. Oh, yes. And, you know, I love that. You never know. This is where, you know, this is where I want to say the leaning into conversations, to not judging the book by its cover, because you never know. They may just be interested in what you do. They may, they may have wanted your resume because they need to put together one themselves and they wanted a really good example. You know, like, why can't we just be kind and help humanity that way? But why can't we just be interested? But we still have, you know, so you start this off, started this whole conversation off, like Kelly wants to rebrand networking. Yes, because we still cling to these notions that you know, only certain types of people can help us. And we're assuming someone probably who is, you know, and in a suit and has a fancy title and a corner office where, you know, that's just not true of the world anymore. No. So there you are, you move to New York and eventually you landed a job. No, I had the, I had the job to move to New York. So okay. fortunately, you know, I had five connections when I moved to New York and one of them helped me get an interview and get a job. Um, the five people I knew were my ex-husband and four of his friends. So thankfully I expanded my network, Jeff. Thankfully I you know, took that initiative because it would be a sad state today if I hadn't. Without a doubt, because I'm not sure that the four friends were allied with you. <laughs> well, he got them in the divorce. I got some other friends, so yeah. <laughs> okay, so there you are in New York. You land a job. How did you expand your network at that time? 
so I was deep in the work and um, so really with my colleagues at the law firm I was at and new banking clients that I was working at, but then I realized I wanted to make this career change and I was like, oops, but networks that came into play to help me make the career change, you know, get it started, you know, being that great colleague, there was, you know, a few of the partners I worked with who were like, hey, I know someone you should talk to. Um, friends, colleagues from when I worked in Toronto who had made similar career change came to my aid and where they were like, hey, here's where you need to do this, here's where you need to do that. And then also one of the things I did was sort of in hunting around, um, and this is sort of as a strategy, hunting around is seeing um, who else had the types of jobs that I was looking to move into. Um, there was another firm that had someone in the role and I wanted to talk to them. And then I realized that someone I knew had a great connection to that law firm. So I said to them, could you, on the basis of the strength of your relationship, get me an inf informational interview with this person? Um, and then that guy, Brad, turned into being a great mentor. He made suggestions to me, sort of like, hey, here's some things you might want to do. You know, sort of thinking of himself as someone who would be in a position to hire someone like me. He pointed out the gaps in my resume that someone would say, you know, there's a problem. It's nice you've been a lawyer for all these years, Kelly, but you haven't done this. So this is where I went back to NYU and, or went back to school, and I went to NYU's School of uh, Continuing and Professional Studies um, and got a, you know, certificate in HR management and, and specifically took courses that filled in my resume gap. It also expanded my network. Oh, and several of the people I took classes with are continue to be, you know, in my network and, you know, friends to this day. Um, I got on a committee uh, of the uh, Bar Association here in New York City, and that was on the recommendation of someone else I had an inter uh, informational interview with. And she said, this is how you're going to meet everyone, Kelly, because we plan events. And the people you want to hire you or meet with you are the people we put on the panels. And I'm like, all right, I'm there, I can do this. So it was just, it was chipping away at it. But as, as I said, it took like 18 months to, to build the, the entire process of building the network and landing the new job. Then that was a factor of the job market at the time. It was a factor of, um, I'm gonna say kind of the, the right serendipity. I had a lot of interviews and you know, not, you know, it's kind of like the three bears, not quite right, all that kind of stuff. But the real piece in all of this, Jeff, is probably in the first six months, I met everybody I needed to meet. Excellent. But I had to spend the next 12 months maintaining those and doing it in a way that I wasn't just landing in their inbox saying, hey, any job openings? Hey, any job openings? Hey, have you heard of any job openings? So I really had to think about how can I add value? How can I be helpful to them? How can I stay top of mind and not be on their list of annoying people who are in their voicemail or in their inbox. Because one thing I know, folks, is you don't want to ever be seen as one of those people. And it's, it's one of the messages we all get about networking. We get the phone call from out of the blue from that person we worked with seven years ago. Said, Hi, and you know it's about a job. And in Kelly's case, she's networking in a new city to a new role, and, and she's had the informational interviews, and now what? You know, you got to follow up, and mm -hmm. you, you can't make it seem like you're a pest, because I know you don't want to be seen as a pest, 
and you don't want to feel like a pest. So how do people follow up like you do and have the, the result? Right. Well, so, I mean, for any informational interview, I mean, there is the follow-up that is just the common courtesy. You say, thank you. Right. Really? Shock. Some people don't do that. I know. So you can, you can do the shocked face again. So you send the thank you. And then I send the follow-up to say, Hey, you suggested, you know, you suggested this group or you suggested this book or you suggested talking to so-and-so, uh, you know, you, you, you gave me this lead, whatever, whatever advice, guidance, lead they gave me, I would follow up on that. I would make kind of a mental note and a, and a like job search note on the kinds of things they were interested in. So part of my whole job search is I was living and breathing the job before I got it, Jeff. I went to the same conferences, like I paid for and went to the same conferences these people were going to. I was reading the books they were reading. I was reading, you know, the um, periodicals and the content, you know, the whatever was top of mind for these professionals, because I found this out in the informational. I was like absorbing all of that information. I wouldn't assume that they necessarily had seen the article. And if they had, maybe they had a point of view on it. So I would send people articles and I'd say, hey, I don't know if you saw this, but I remember from our conversation we talked about wondered what you thought about this point. And the number of times that people got back to me and they said, wow, I hadn't actually seen this one. Thanks for sending it to me. You know, I'll, I'll let you know what I think of it when, you know, when I get back to you, like, like once I've read it, I'll get back to you and let you know. So, you know, you just have to kind of think of those things and there was no particular rhyme or reason or, you know, cadence, like every second Thursday I sent emails. It all depended on what I was reading and the other sort of natural flow of a, you know, a career transition job search. Um, but I just made it sort of a daily job to, to do these things. Um, the good news was doing that, A, they sourced a role for me. And B, you know, when I did land the job, um, I had the support network of, you know, colleagues in the industry to call upon to say, okay, have you ever faced this? Have you had this problem? You know, did you, did you, did this happen to you in the first 30 days of a new job? Like I had people to call and, and who supported me who were, you know, independent of the, the place I was working. And you'll notice folks, and, and by the way, you'll notice I'm, I'm doing a translation at times. You'll notice that what Kelly's been doing is building relationships and kind of like in blind dating, you meet someone the first time and you have to figure out what's that conversation going to be like, you know, without it seeming rote, because if there's no personality in it, you're dull and no mm -hmm. one wants to ever be defined as dull or boring. So how do you use that introduction to your benefit? How do you maintain the conversation like you would if you're actually interested in going out with this person and do the things periodically to cultivate it so that each of you is getting something from it? And there's a lot more that you, you cover with including learning the job before you are actually asked to do it spending the money to learn what you needed to learn in order to do it and writing the checks to be at the conferences with the people. I said writing the checks, filling out the credit card information to go to the conferences to be with the people who were influential. 
Right. There was like there was an author uh, who was literally sort of the, the guru in the area I was going, like the career area I was wanting to move into, and her book was like the one everyone was reading, and she was one of the speakers at this conference I attended, and I remember there was like the coffee area, and she was grabbing her coffee before she was speaking, and I thought, you know what? And I literally had her book under my arm, and I went up to her and I said, Ida, you don't know me, but I'm a big fan of your book. I'm a lawyer in career transition looking to move into this area. I'm really looking forward to your talk. And she looked at me and she said, and she said, I'd love to follow up with you later. You know, thank you for buying my book. And do you have a card? How can I get? So that's another thing in career transition, like make sure people can find your contact information, make sure you have that visible. Because I knew during the conference, she was going to be too busy to sit down with little old me. But as she had also at some point made a career transition to get where she is today, she was really receptive to talking to me and talking to someone who was being so proactive, not just someone walking up going, oh my God, your book's fantastic, you know, like kind of gushing in that way. And okay, so this has got to be back in 2001, Jeff. Like to Ooh. this day, were there dinosaurs then? Yeah, exactly. And to this day, Ida is a friend and a mentor. So, you know, go, go figure. And yeah. we've covered a lot. And I want to make sure we cover the important points for you. What haven't we spoken about yet that we really should? Well, let me, there's one quick career change that I think is an important one. Um, you're like, yay. Uh, so this is the career change where I had the really unexpected job offer. And it was when I was offered the, the role of becoming the president of a global business network for women. It was an unadvertised position. I think it was created on the fly when the founder of the network was on the phone with me. And that came about, Jeff, because I was very active and involved in the network. And I asked good questions and I used the tools and I contributed and I raised my hand and I volunteered. And the founder called me one day and said, who are you and what do you do? You're asking great questions and I'd like your contributions and we had an hour-long phone call and she offered me this the, the role of becoming the first president of this global business network and the lesson in that is listen we can all slide our credit card in and become a member of something right we can all just say oh yeah i'm a member of the chamber of commerce or you know whatever whatever group but how do you show up and how do you contribute so many people think the group or the platform is going to do the work and deliver to them rather than realizing this is your opportunity to show you know, your skills, your talents. You, know, you don't just get to say that you're a self-starter and proactive. You can show it by being active in these communities. And by being active, like very active and very visible, it was in my interest and in the interest of the community and created an opportunity for me that changed everything. It's so interesting how we're all programmed from the time we're in school to sit in the back of the class so that the teacher doesn't call on us. And then from, I don't know if it's that way now, I suspect it is judging what my son told me when he was in school, but we're programmed not to be seen for fear that we make a mistake. Mm -hmm. And what happens is by playing small in the world, we wind up being small in the world mm -hmm. and putting yourself out and being visible in so many 
venues. Just, just in this one conversation, there are at least a half a dozen places where you've been a visible figure. And in doing so, put yourself in the position to be seen. Mm -hmm. But you, know, you show people, it's like, you know, some people ask about networking, is it who you know or what you know? And I'm like, it's who knows what you know. Like, put your talents and skills on display. Don't just say you know something. Don't just say you're good at something. Show people so that they know what to call you for or that they, you may, you may discover, you know, or hidden opportunities may discover you because of your actions, because of your questions, because of your involvement. And that's the, the, the framework of show, don't tell. The people who tell often don't really know as much as they claim to know. But the ones that are willing to put it out there proactively and share, you know, people get a taste for what you do. Like, you know, I, I podcast as, as you've done, uh, and I'm 2,100 episodes in. And my YouTube channel has almost 7,000 videos on it. And I've written for a bunch of publications, and my blog has like 11,000 posts on it. It's insane how much content I've created. And people know me from what they've read, listened to, or seen. Because, and, and then they have a flavor for me because when people hire coaches, as was the case when I did recruiting, I don't know who to trust. And I want to give people a sense that they can trust me. And being forward and putting myself out has made a huge difference, even though I'm not everyone's cup of tea. Well, but we know that with, you know, when you're working with someone like, you know, in your situation, being a coach, but working with anyone, you know, it's a personal relationship. And sometimes it might be the skill set or, you know, the unique, you know, um, I want to say excess someone has that you're like, ah, I got to put up with this person. Like, I don't like, you know, I don't like them, you know, they're hard to deal with, but here's why I've hired them. But in situations like, you know, you're in, like I'm in, it's a relationship game. So you, the, the more someone gets to know you so you can decide, you know, is this going to be the right working relationship, the better it is. But it, it always surprises me, you know, the, you know, people who don't, you know, even spend sort of the minimal amount of time, like even to know that you have you know, a blog, that you have a YouTube channel, that you have a podcast, like even the lack of awareness of, of you know, that information, just sort of be able to say, wow, like you've done a lot. Like I got some work to do to figure you all out. I mean, I would even respect that versus people jumping on and going, what do you mean you've got a blog, Jeff? When did that start? And you're like, really? You could spend like maybe like 30 seconds looking me up. And I'm LinkedIn member 7653 <laughs> of the 750 million people on the platform. <laughs> Kelly, this is a lot of fun and I know we could go on for another hour. How could people find out more about you and the work that you do? The book. Yes, that's always a good place to start. Um, and my website has got all my social links and all the good stuff there, blog posts, podcast links, you know, social media, media handles, and that's jkellyhoey.co, and that's j-k-e-l-l-y-h-o-e-y.co. So that's today's show. I hope you found it helpful, and if you did, here are a few things I can do to help you with your job search beyond simply being your coach. 
First of all, I've got a new book out called The Right Answers to Tough Interview Questions. It is like a cookbook with answers to tons of interview questions that you're going to be asked on interviews. And if you pair it up with my other new book, The Ultimate Job Interview Framework, they are a a terrific pair of books to help you with interviewing. In addition to a new service where you can practice mock interviews, if you go to thebiggamehunter.us forward slash mock, I've got a service there, very inexpensive, like $99, where we have mock interviews set up. I'm going to be adding more to it very soon, but you can record your answers to them and then I can critique them and help you perform better on them. You probably have noticed my show notes are pretty thorough with products and services that can help you with your search and connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash the big game hunter. Lastly, my website has a ton of great information. That's thebiggamehunter.us. Now, if you're not ready to go there and go through the blog, put the address in your phone, thebiggamehunter.us, Jeff Altman. So this way, when you're ready to go, you have a way of getting back to my website. Hope you have a terrific day. And most importantly, be great. (laughs) 